Only two more weeks on the fruit of the Spirit. So I ask you to please rise today as we read Galatians 5, 22 through 24 again. It's found on page 1,239 in your Black Pew Bible or 1,418 in the Adventure Bible. Galatians 5, 22 through 24. I'm in Thessalonians. Come on, Joe. I do have it memorized. I just don't trust myself. Galatians 5, 22 through 24, and I read in Jesus' name. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Let us pray. Father, as we come now to study these fruits, indeed that we might see if they are in our lives or not, and where they are not and where they are, we pray that you would bless and that you would guide and that you would be honored and that this would draw us near to you. Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I was uh, talking to a fellow one time about the fruits of the Spirit, and he said, you know, I kind of like focusing on the earlier ones. I'd never paid any attention to the later ones. And so, you know, we always talk about love. Well, we as Christians, we love. Yeah, and then there's patience. You know, patience is a sign of Christianity. Um, you know, we just kind of tail off. And so we don't want to do that because these latter ones are just as important as the earlier ones because this all comes together. This really is uh, a multifaceted way of looking at the Christian's emotional life because as we live this world with the Spirit, walking with the Spirit, this is the way that our emotional life is going to look. It's going to look like the fruit of the Spirit. It's going to bear that out. And so if we just focus on one and we neglect the rest, all we get is a piece of the pie and we don't get the whole thing. And we don't want that. We don't want to just look at one area. We want the whole thing. So today we're going to look at gentleness. And we don't, I don't know about you guys, I, this one's hard for me. Partly because I like to focus on the earlier ones and I've never actually really taken the time to speak about gentleness and this is the place in the world that I learn the most is preparing for sermons because now I've got to actually think about it and think about it well enough and deeply enough that I can present it to someone else. Um, Otherwise, I just keep things half-formed in my brain. But gentleness necessarily interacts with correction. Do you know that? Because... Otherwise, there really isn't, when you're praising someone, you, you don't have to worry about being gentle and praising them, do you? You did a really good job. That was a little bit harsh. You know, that's, no, it was just a good job, not a really good job. Stop it. it you never hear that. You know, if you over the top praise someone, they never, you know, they might say, oh, stop. But that's not a problem. But when you have to be gentle is when you have to correct And the sad thing is, we live in a world where people are wrong. Maybe not us, but other people. 
are wrong. And we have to deal with that wrong sooner or later. Some of us have to deal with it more than others because we tend to be right more often. <laughs> Did I say that wrong? No, I think I was right. What was that joke that, what was that, Jim? It's tough being perfect. Yeah, right. Um, I think James told that joke earlier this week. You know, I'm right 97% of the time. Who cares about the other 4%? <laughs> Don't worry, some of you will get that later. Um, <laughs> but but we got to, you know, sometimes we actually have to correct people. And, and that's what's hard. Because when we're correcting people, why do we do it? Because they're annoying us by being wrong, right? You know, that's not the right reason. <laughs> we want them to be right. So as we're gentle with people, we have to be gentle with them with the right goal in mind. Because the goal of, gentle, or the goal of correction within the Christian life isn't to prove ourselves right. Have you guys ever been in an argument with someone and... I'm going to quote Chuck Borsett on this. He would quote his grandmother, and she, he quoted it in, German, or in Norwegian. I can't do that. But the quote was, I will be right. Though I may be wrong, I will be right. <laughs> you know, have you guys ever interacted with someone like that? It isn't about the argument anymore. It's just about winning. I have to be right. As we're correcting people, it isn't about us being right. It isn't about us showing ourselves wiser. It isn't about us showing ourselves stronger. It isn't about us. It isn't about us. Because if we're correcting someone in love, can it be about us? Because love looks out. Love looks at the other person. Love does not delight in wrongdoing. And so if I'm loving that person, it's not about me being right and me fixing these peons over here. Because that's not out of love, that's out of arrogance. And nobody likes to be corrected out of arrogance. But the goal of Christian correction, of loving correction, is that they might be blessed with the truth. It's that they might be built up. It's that they might come into a deeper relationship with Christ. It's that they might see how God has made this world. It's about them. And so when we're correcting someone in Christian love, it's not about me. It's not even about me knowing the truth and getting to share this truth. It's about me building them up and the Holy Spirit using me to build them up. They become the goal. Their souls become the goal. Become the goals. That would be the proper way to say that. Their souls, their hearts, their relationship with Christ because if I come in as a Christian stomping around, proving to other people why I'm right and they're wrong and they better fall in line, what am I doing for their souls? Well, at least now they know the truth. I have a, a friend who went to, he went to a church in the cities when I was in college. And uh, that they would go out and they'd do street lo- or, uh, door-to-door evangelism. They'd go door-knocking in their neighborhood, sharing about their church and sharing the gospel. And this friend, my friend's pastor, he, he didn't think that he had done his job unless A, he got a conversion, or B, he got the door slammed in his face. <laughs> it's like, yeah, he's not very Norwegian. That's not Minnesota nice. That's just, yeah. But his goal was to, you got to hit him with the gospel. 
You ever heard someone say something like that? You got to hit them with the gospel. It's like, is that gentleness? That, that's kind of harsh. So imagine, imagine you're given a, a walnut. And your goal there is to get the meat out of that walnut. Now there's a few ways to do that, right? If you, guys, you guys have cracked walnuts, right? Now, if you went over to Kevin's place and you got his eight-pound maul and you slammed that walnut, you'd get, would you be able to get the meat out of that walnut? You would have to pick the dust out of it, but it would work. And that's oftentimes what happens when we miss the proper goal in correction. Because in order to first get the meat out of the walnut, you have to crack the nut. Well, the easiest way to crack that nut is to get Kevin's eight-pound maul, and you're going to crack that nut. It's done. And that's what we want to do when we correct out of impatience, when we correct out of irritation, when we correct out of frustration, when we correct out of arrogance. What do we do? We crush that shell. Because we think, well, our goal, our first goal, our first step is to, you've got to crack that shell. You've got to crush that shell. So we're going to use that eight-pound maul. The problem is when you do that, you miss the proper goal. And that proper goal is to get the meat out of that shell. To win that soul. Does that make sense? And so unless the Holy Spirit is actually working in me, I can never have the proper goal. Because I'll never love that person. I'll never care about their soul. I'll just care about mine. Because that's the one constant in this world that sin, what sin does, sin makes me care more about me than it makes me care about that other person. Whereas the Holy Spirit says, you're cared for. You don't have to worry about yourself. You can trust God there. Care about them. Love them. Did Christ go on the cross for his own benefit? No. He went for the sake of humanity. And God raised him up. And so also us, we're called to die for their sake. And so it's not about us. The non-Christian can't love. So the non-Christian can't have the proper goal. Their goal ends up being, we're going to get this done as fast as possible. We're going to get this done as soon as possible. We're going to get this done as easy as possible. Well, and they just take an eight-pound maul to that nut. And they just crush the person. They win the argument. And they miss it. Because no longer is it about their soul. Now it's just about getting the job done. And all they can do is hand to God nut butter. Here you go. Shells and all. But what's our calling? Our calling is to love them. I was talking to Nathaniel one day about uh, black walnuts. He's got some black walnuts and he loves cracking black walnuts. <laughs> he shakes his head no. Because he says, you've got to crack them, you've got to split them in half, and then you've got to take a wire cutter and then you've got to cut all of the shell around, otherwise all you end up with is black walnut dust. Do you know what he's doing? Nathaniel's being gentle to a black walnut. Because he's taking it apart to save, the sh- to save the meat. I didn't ask him if I could share that because I know that if I had, he'd say no. <laughs> so I'm just going to be a putz and <laughs> do that. But that's gentleness, right? 
How do we learn how to do that with souls? Well, this is where it becomes impossible. We can't unless we're walking by the Spirit. Unless we're living in relationship with the Holy Spirit, we can't see other people properly. We can't see what they need unless the Holy Spirit is directing us, unless He is guiding us. You know, we're, giving, we're given some things, um, you know, generality. So when we're doing church discipline, are we given direction? Well, yeah. Jesus gives it to us in Matthew 18. You know, and so we, so we have to apply force. If you're going to crack a nut, you have to apply force. So if I come there, you know, at that nut with just my hand and start hitting it, is that walnut, black walnut or English walnut, doesn't matter, just hitting it, is it going to crack? Well, no. It's not going to crack, just hitting it with my hand. That's not going to work. Well, that's true, but if I'm hitting it like this, it's not going to work. It's true. It would depend on how hard I hit it. My hand's not, my hand's too soft. I'm, I'm a pastor. I'm, I'm squishy. <laughs> As someone who actually works for a living. Um, <laughs> but I can't crack it that way. Now, this is what the world does. So the world does actually have two extremes that they live in. Because the world doesn't live in gentleness. The world lives in two extremes. One, they're too soft. They won't do anything. They'll just pat you on the head. This is tolerance. This is what tolerance is calling us to do. It's calling us to just pat people on the head and say, um, don't worry, you'll crack later. <laughs> or something. I don't, I don't know what their goal is. You don't have to crack. It's fine. Yeah, you just, you just keep your shell on. <laughs> but that's what our world is calling people to do right now. They're saying, well, you can't use the sledgehammer, so what are we going to do? We're not going to crack that nut at all. We're not going to crack at all. We're just going to pat them on the heads and say, don't worry, we'll get you a, a shoebox for the bathroom in, in, or sandbox instead of actually saying, no, this is a problem. You know, but that's what's going on. Our world lives at the two extremes, but then we're called to walk with the Spirit. And so sometimes we start soft when we apply force. When we apply pressure, we start soft. And that's one-on-one. So if someone's wronged you, what do you do? You start soft. You go to them, you and them. No social pressure other than you. And you correct them. And if they repent, what does Jesus say? You have won your brother. Because the goal of this is to win them for the Lord and bring them into fellowship with you and then to bring them into fellowship with the Lord. Opposite direction, bring them in fellowship with the Lord that they might be in fellowship with you is what we're told in 1 John. So if they don't do that, then you have to hit it harder. You bring two or three with you that they've sinned against as well and you all correct them. That's a greater social pressure. That's greater social force, right? And if they still don't repent, then you bring it to the church. And if the whole congregation stands against them and they say, no, we're not going to crack, what do you do? You hand it over to the Lord. Well, that's within church families. But what do we do outside of church families? What, you know, what can Jim do as he's interacting with his students in uh, school? What can Janet do as she's interacting with her piano students if there's one cutting up? She doesn't bring it to the church. You know, Jim can't bring his student from Fairmont down to St. James, bring them to the church, and then we'll have them stand here. Like, that's not the way that works. And so then, as we are interacting with these individuals, as Lisa's interacting with someone, or you're interacting with someone out in, out in the wild. <laughs> you know, you're at Walmart, out in the wild. 
or wherever you go, you hit them up at Casey's and start talking to someone. How do I interact with this person? You have to be listening for the Holy Spirit to show you how much force needs to be applied. Otherwise, you're going to end up at one of the two extremes because that's what we naturally do. We naturally end up at the two extremes because we as humans are off-balanced. We need the Holy Spirit to correct us. We need Him to bring us into this place of actual gentleness because the best definition I've ever heard for gentleness is the least necessary force. Least? So no more than necessary, but still necessary. And some people need a lot. There's going to be walnuts out there that are going to need an eight-pound sledge. It's just the way it is. You know, we, I have, we've, talk, we've joked about having God hit you upside the head with a two-by-four. I think it was Beth Moore who said, you know what it means to be a submissive wife? It means to duck and let God hit your husband. <laughs> I always thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> but that's what it means to be a submissive wife. Sometimes God's going to hit us. Sometimes life's going to be really hard. Do you know that God is always gentle? Think about that. Think about some of the hardships we've gone through and that's God being gentle. Because God could have put way more on us. Way more than he did. He just puts on enough that we would change. Because that's his goal. It's to get us to become Christ-like. And that means that should be our goal. It's to get others to be Christ-like. And so when we go through hardships, one of the first things we should do is say, thank you, Lord, for being gentle. It's like, this doesn't feel like gentleness. And God says, it could be a lot worse. And when I did less, you didn't change. And so... This force is necessary. This is the least necessary force. This is how God works. This is how we're called to work. How do we know what that is? We can't. We need the Holy Spirit to guide us in our interactions. And he might say, this time, don't say much. And then the next time comes, he'll say, say more. I don't know how the Holy Spirit's going to speak to you, how he's going to guide you, but he will. Because this is his kingdom. What is, what is the Holy Spirit's goal? Have you guys ever thought about that? What is his goal? What is his job in this world? It's to bring correction, right? He wants this world to become Christ-like. Every single individual in this world. This is God's will, that all men would be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. This is what the Holy Spirit is currently doing. And this is what he wants to use you to partner with him in. But he wants you to be gentle as you do it. And he has just given you a calling that's too big for your mind. It's too big for your emotional state. That's too big for your abilities. Praise God that he's given us a job that we can't do on our own. He's given us a lot of jobs we can't do on our own, but we need to be seeking him, listening to him. And then this is the hardest part of all, trusting him. Because have you ever, ever said something? Some of you are going to say no. But have you ever said something and then thought about that later and said, oh, maybe I shouldn't have said it quite like that. I think that was too harsh. Can you trust the Holy Spirit? Maybe it needed to be said like that. Even though you didn't understand that it needed to be said like that. Can you trust him to actually speak through you? He spoke through Balaam's donkey. You know, it's possible he could use some Lutherans too. 
It's possible. And so trust. But seek. Seek him. As you're interacting with people, you're going to interact with people who are wrong. Ask, Lord, what should I do? And if you don't get anything clear, then trust. Okay, Lord, I will do what I can, how I can, where I can, and what I can. You need to work through, and you need to guide me in this gentleness. Because apart from the guiding of the Holy Spirit, we can't do this. Does this make sense? If we just rely on ourselves, we're going to either go eight-pound sledge or nothing. Or tolerance. Because that's what we do as humans. We can't correct ourselves properly. But if we're walking with the Spirit, living in step with Him, He will guide us in gentleness. And He'll make it so that we can actually use the least necessary force. Because his goal is to get the meat out of that nut. Not to just crush the shell. That's his goal. And that's what he's called us to partner with him on. This is our job now. You ever thought about that? Your job in this world is to be a partner of the Holy Spirit? Like, well, he's the paraclete. Yeah. But we're the bride of Christ. We're Christ's helpmate. But in order to properly do it, we need to be walking with him. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I need your guidance when it comes to gentleness. Because I see in myself both extremes. Lord, I'm guessing that if I see that in myself, that, I, that others will see that in themselves, And you see that in all of us. Lord, and so I pray that we would have the humility to walk in gentleness and in love towards you. Lord, loving them. That our goal might be that they would be in relationship with you. That they might see your love in us. That they might see your gentleness through us. Lord, and where we have erred, I pray that we would have the humility to confess. And where you have worked, I pray that we would have the humility to rejoice in your unseen hand guiding. Lord, so I ask that you would bless and that you would guide now. Lord, that you might be glorified and that your kingdom might come even through us. Father, I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.